them when we are challenged to um, dedicate ourselves to the Lord, where the verse says that he pleads with us, he beseeches us by the mercies of God that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And we are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then he goes in, and after he he reminds us that it is our reasonable service to give him all of our being, and that we are not to be conformed to this world, he reminds us, Verse 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Then he goes in and he deals with spiritual gifts, saying that um, there are many gifts that have been given according to the grace of God, and he spells out the use of those gifts in the following verses. But his thought in all of this is what we've already addressed on previous Sundays, is that the church is a body. That as a member, it is not a, a membership in some club. Rather, it is an organ of the body that does its function and it helps then the body to be able to function and, and operate and perform the tasks that it was designed to do. For, do. Now, we sometimes question in our mind, well, how am I supposed to function in the body? What is my function? And and we're not going to get in and look tonight at the various spiritual gifts, but sometimes we get hung up on what is our gift. And it's a good thing if we can know what our gift is, but honestly... There are some that come more naturally than others, but we ought to be desiring and growing in in all of them, whether it's serving or exhorting or administration or whatever. But there are certain things that we can do that help us to be functioning in the body, just very practical things. And first and foremost... We must have a strong relationship with the head. Just like a human body, everything is dependent upon the head. It has to be in a right relationship with the head. Well, the head of the church is Jesus Christ. And we say over and over again, your personal walk with God is the most important thing in your life. Bar none. And no one else can build that for you, and no one else can do anything about strengthening yours except you. And it is your responsibility, and you are as close to God tonight as you want to be. 
in the sense that we don't have any excuse as to why we don't know God more. And this is foundational. We, we will not be able to function in the body unless we have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's something we have to battle. That's something we have to fight for. That's something that every day, it's not just every day doing our devotions, it's a walk with God. It is um, in fellowship with God. It's seeking the Lord. Is, is this thought that I'm thinking pleasing to the Lord? Is this word that I'm about to say, is it pleasing to the Lord? What is God's mind concerning this? But it begins, and this is foundational. So we ask the question, what do you need to do tonight to build your walk with God? Is, is your time, first of all, do you have time that you spend in the Word, alone with God? Are you hiding God's Word in your heart? Is is your heart bent toward that? What can you do tonight to build your walk with the Lord? Then to function in the body. Um, secondly, get to know people in the body. A um, couple weeks ago, we had someone over and didn't know them real well and got to know them. And just in that time, um, learning about their life, learning about their history, um, it gave us a much clearer understanding. It gave us a much um, greater compassion. It, it was just good all the way around. But see, if we never get to know people... How's the body going to function? It's not going to function. And, and the reality is, this sounds like a basic thing, but, but it is getting to know people and, and finding out. Every one of us has a life message. Every one of us have things that God has brought into our life, and we can learn from them, and we can grow, and we can develop. And we can pass those things on to others, and we can learn from the things that other people have experienced as well. But it takes getting to know them. Um, all of us judge things on, on first appearances. Uh, just tonight before the service, I said to someone that, that so-and-so is is a Christian. Really? Wow, that surprises me. I said, why is that? Oh, just the family background and kind of comes across rough looking. And um, all of us look at people and we come to certain conclusions. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that's the way human beings are. And you know what? Most of us keep those things without even finding out if that's really true or not. Or let alone not finding out if it's true, what can I learn about this person that 
will benefit my walk with God? And what can I learn about them in ways that I can be of assistance to them, of ways that I can be of help to them? Then, once you get to know them, pray for others. You'll be much more able to pray for others because you know them. You know what they're doing. And even even if you haven't gotten to know people, pray for them. I mean, it, it, it sounds redundant. It is redundant. But I know it doesn't happen near like it should. There comes a bond when you pray for people. And diligently pray for them. And as we've said before, and maybe even last week, that's one of the reasons we have the care groups to break down the church a little bit so you can pray for these people. Every, every time when you come to church, you ought to say, okay, God, show me who you'd really specifically want me to pray for this week. And, and to be diligent in that. And, and understand that. But praying for others. Who do you pray for besides your family? I mean, think about it. And the bottom line is the church family is eternal. Our earthly families aren't eternal. I mean, that's the perspective of it. Do you understand, um, you might say, well, my family's eternal. Um, they're all saved. There is not going to be a St. Lawrence reunion in heaven. There won't be. I mean, and you put your name in there either. There won't be. Oh, yeah, we've always had a Memorial Day, and we're, we've already planned that we're going to meet in the southeast corner behind the bushes on the... Golden Street by the river, and we're going to have our family. Sorry to burst your bubble. It's not going to happen. This is the family. And we need to be interceding for one another, and we need to, we need to function in prayer. Number four, look for ways to serve. How many of you have traveled all the way across Nebraska, or most of the way across Nebraska. How many of you enjoyed the trip tremendously? One hand raised, okay. North Platte is in the middle of Nebraska. When we used to travel to Maryland's folks in Casper, Wyoming, North Platte was about halfway there. When we'd get to North Platte, we we could just judge that. I've um, there never was anything that gave me any fond memories of North Platte, other than it, we're halfway there. But I I read today something that changed my thoughts about North Platte. Ten days after the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. The residents of North Platte, Nebraska, heard a rumor that the soldiers from their town, part of the Nebraska National Guard, would be coming through on a troop train on their way to the West Coast. So 
they heard that was happening, about 500 people showed up at the train station. They had food, they had gifts, they had letters, um, and they wanted to bless their boys that were headed to the West Coast and who knows where. When the train showed up, it was not the Nebraska National Guard boys that were on it. The soldiers were the Kansas National Guard Company. And the North Platte residents said, hey, it doesn't matter. And they gave their gifts, uh, spontaneous gifts and devotion. And the soldiers were mightily touched by it. A few days later, a 26-year-old young woman named Ray Wilson wrote a letter to the editor of the newspaper recounting the profound experience that they'd shared that night. And she suggested that the town organize a canteen so they could do similar things for every troop train that would come through. And she offered to lead as a volunteer. For the next four and a half years, the people of North Platte and the surrounding communities met every troop train that came through their town. Every day they prepared sandwiches, cookies, cold drinks, hot coffee. They had baskets of magazines and books to give away to the soldiers. They had snacks prepared for the train. There were even birthday cakes that they had for anyone that was having their birthday. And they did this for as many as 8,000 soldiers and sailors. The statistics were staggering. By the time the last train arrived on April 1st, 1946, 6 million soldiers had been blessed by the North Platte Canteen. 45,000 volunteers had served faithfully until the war was over, and most of the troops had been transported home. I mean, that is an astounding day after day after day. It's one thing, hey, we got a train full of troops coming in, and we need cookies, we need this. I mean, four and a half years of providing this, and to be commended for it. Shouldn't we even be more committed to serving Christ and volunteering for Him? Volunteering to help in whatever way is necessary to see a need and meet it, rather than complain about it. To, to take ownership. This is, this is our body, and we need to do something here, and, and I'm willing to help and step in. Look for ways to serve. Number five, have patience. We are a community of grace. The very thing that calls us together the common bond that we have is the grace of God. And as a community of grace, there should be no one that is more eager and ready to manifest grace and patience than we should be. 
freely we have received, freely we should give. This, this aspect of, of having grace and patience in understanding, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt. Helping them, understanding, hey, God's not finished with me, and God's not finished with them either. And um, maybe they're having a rough day. Maybe, you know, maybe things haven't gone well for them, and I'm, I'm just going to mark it down. I'm going to pray for them. I'm not going to hold that against them. I'm not going to um, begrudge them. Maybe they said something wrong. Maybe they did something wrong. Maybe... They definitely were in the wrong. But you know what? God is so patient and long-suffering with me, I can be that with others. Can you imagine a body that manifested that? Can you imagine in our homes? Can you imagine the difference? And he says in, in, in uh, Colossians, he said, Strengthened with all might by his glorious power, for patience and long-suffering with joy. You notice, we need the strength of God's might and His power. And how should it be manifested in our lives? Patience and long-suffering with joy. So, learning to function in the body. Things may not be going the way you want, but... I'm I'm going to manifest patience here. Someone prayed, Lord, give me patience, because if you give me strength, I'm going to need bail money to go with it, all right? That's not really necessarily a good prayer, but that's sometimes where we meet, all right? Patience. Now, last Sunday night, I encouraged you with point number six to encourage others. How many of you, in some manner, encouragement card, call, text, in person, some act, how many of you consciously did something to encourage someone else? Just raise your hand this week. Okay, good, good. How many of you received some sort of encouragement this week? Raise your hand. Okay, good, good. Now, don't stop now. Keep doing it. Those, those of you that received um, whatever form of encouragement, anybody, what did it mean to you? Anybody say anything? What did it mean? Anything? What? Okay, thoughtful that somebody was... It's always nice to be thought about, isn't it? I mean, that, that somebody was thinking about me and took the time to send a text or a call or a card or whatever. I mean, everybody that got the encouragement, if it was in the mail, it's always nice to get something besides political ads, all right? But it is. It's they're they're thoughtful. They're they're thinking. In some regard, it's wow. You know, my labor is not in vain. 
they were blessed by it. In some cases, it may be. But that, that should be a way of life. Who can I encourage today? Who can I strengthen and build up? George Truett was a tremendously effective pastor for decades in Texas. But his heart was broken when he accidentally killed his best friend when they were on a hunting trip. Truett had a radio program, and each day when it came to the close of the program, he would say, be good to everybody, because everybody is having a tough time. He knew personally the heavy burden people could be carrying, and he encouraged compassion toward them. I I was amazed. I read about John Wesley on his deathbed. Think of that. John Wesley is on his deathbed, and he took time to write William Wilberforce to encourage him in his prolonged fight against slavery. So here he is on his deathbed, and he wrote, Unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abomination of slavery, which is the scandal of religion, of England, and of human nature. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Go in the name of God and in the power of his might. On his deathbed, he had the wherewithal to say, I want to encourage William Wilberforce in this battle that he is in. So just just give yourself. You don't need to be elected. You don't need to be appointed. I want to be an encourager. When, when I was in fifth, sixth grade, I, I was just getting going in wrestling then, and there was a man in our church that was the head football coach of um, Robbinsdale High School, a suburb of Minneapolis, and... He had a lot going on. But Mr. Bomstead would often meet me at church Sunday, and I was just this scrawny little fifth, sixth grader. And he'd, he'd, he knew that I was in red. He'd say, Dennis, did you have a tournament this weekend? How'd you do? Do you understand that made an impact on my life. This was the, I mean, the head football coach of one of the, the leading schools in the, in the metro area. And he showed a genuine interest in me. And he loved God. 
You understand it's simple little things like that that encourage. You understand there's scrawny fifth graders running around here that we need to invest in. Encourage them. And then how to function in the body, just be faithful. How many of you have visited Old Faithful, have ever seen Old Faithful? All right. How many of you were overwhelmingly impressed and awed beyond wonder when you saw that geyser go up? Nobody raised their hand. It is not the most impressive geyser in the world. In fact, um, I don't mean to diminish you from going to see it if you haven't. You, you need to go to Yellowstone. But the fact is, it's. I wish you could, when it goes off, that everybody's thoughts would be published, you know. Because most people is probably, really? That's all the higher it is? It, it's not, Rick, you were just out there. It's not as high as this ceiling, is it? But why do people come from all over the world to see it? It's faithful. They, it's going to be shooting off within this time frame. And the nice thing about that is you can go like mad to get there just in time, right? Oh, the schedule is it's supposed to... It, it's not... Well, we have no idea. Yesterday it went off at 1 o'clock. The day before it was 3.30. And I don't know. We have no idea. No one would go. That's just another geyser. Do you understand? Faithfulness is very, very important. But it's not faithfulness just doing nothing. It's not faithfulness and just showing up. It's faithfulness... In serving, it's faithfulness in encouraging, it's faithfulness in loving God. It's faithful in our walk with God. And understand, you know, your your liver has been at work in your body faithfully. Aren't you and some of some of you and some of us are getting to this point. But aren't you glad every day you don't have to get up and think, all right, does this hand work? Yeah, it is. And this, how about this arm? Let me check. Is the liver working that you have to go through all your organs? We just take it for granted, don't we? My hearing's working, sort of. I mean, all these things. What if our organs were as faithful as we are? In our walk with God, we'd be in big trouble. Like dead is what we'd be. I mean, most people sitting here tonight are not thinking, okay, heart, keep beating, keep beating. It just faithfully, just faithfully keeps beating. And God needs people in the body that are committed I'm just, I'm going to be faithful. God, 
Here's a need I can meet. I'm going to faithfully meet this. I'm going to be faithful in prayer. I'm going to faithfully serve. I'm going to faithfully encourage others. What a, what a wonderful ministry. Who can I encourage today? How can I be an encouragement? I'm going to faithfully forgive. I'm going to faithfully have patience. I'm going to faithfully pray. Even when it, it may seem like nothing is happening, I'm, I'm going to faithfully pray. That's when the body functions. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to take personal responsibility to be the body that you want us to be and to be the, the organs to function not with any hand-picking, yeah, I'll function for that person, but I'm not going to. Lord, that we would willingly serve, that we would willingly pray, that we would be given to encourage, and Lord, that we would show your power, that there would be glory in the church as we truly function, as we are committed to you and your ways. Lord, there's a lot of other things we can invest in, but only you said you would build the church. You didn't say you were building other things. And Lord, I pray that we would invest in what you invest in. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you're here tonight. What is one thing that God would want you to do this week to better function in the body? It may be encouraging someone. It may be prayer. It may be, you know, I haven't been faithful in, in what I know God wants me to do. It may be taking the effort to get to know someone. What is the one thing that God wants you to do? Lord, help us to do that one thing for your glory. For we pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Just before we dismiss tonight, um, tonight, you are all invited downstairs as hosted by Ruth Stuffelbeam and her family, an 80th birthday celebration for Wayne Swarthout.